Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 61. I thank God for his spirit. Thank God for his spirit. He's so good. So good to us. Family is so important. Family is so important. And so and and is we can't get around that in God's purpose for the earth. We can't get around that in an establishing kingdom. We can't get around that in, in it's the foundation of everything that God ever wanted to do in the earth. He wanted to do by way of family, and we can't ever get around that. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 1. The Spirit of the Lord thy God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim, everybody say proclaim. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. Verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he might be glorified. Verse 4, and they, those who now made that exchange and were planted, and they shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we just thank you and bless you right now for the word of God. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is decreed and declared according to the power and the might of your spirit, even on tonight. Lord God, that it has more, than, that it does more than just enter in through the ear cavity, but Lord God, it releases even into our hearts a grace for transformation, and Lord God, and in, in even greater measures of your presence and your spirit. Lord God, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name and you honoring us by being in our midst. We bless you and thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Man, you may be seated in the house of God. Um, I kind of dealt with some stuff on Sunday. I'm going to to kind of do a, just a small mini review of on this Wednesday, uh, understanding the impo- the imperative nature of the function of the anointing in empowering us to proclaim. Amen. We always talk about the anointing destroying yokes, which it does, breaking chains. We talk about the anointing, well, actually doing a lot of things that ain't really anointing. Amen. But one function of the anointing we must understand that is highlighted in Isaiah 61 is the anointing gives us the power of proclamation. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To proclaim the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. In other words, that now liberty would never come if it's not proclaimed. Prison doors would never be opened if they're not proclaimed. Proclamation is now the release of those realities. The day of the Lord would never come if it's not proclaimed. Everything God does is proclaimed first. Amen. And so the spirit comes upon us for grace, not to wait for breakthrough, but proclaim breakthrough. When the anointing is upon us, proclamation has power to now demand reality. 
right? We begin to proclaim things when the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because the Spirit of the Lord is His creative DNA. In the beginning, God didn't wait for anything to happen. He made what He wanted. And now the Spirit of the Lord is that ancient Spirit of God. It is the same Spirit that hovered over the face of the deep that said, I'm not accepting the darkness. I'm going to create light. I'm not accepting confusion. I'm going to bring separation. I'm not accepting sea and land. I'm going to separate it. In other words, I don't have to describe with my words what I see. I can see what I say. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon us to proclaim. When the Spirit is upon you, you begin to say things you wouldn't normally say. Because now you've entered into a creative dimension. You can begin to create. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. We live in the the world of our words. Some of us are in this room, but we're not in this room. We're in the world of the words that we said before we got here. All of us live in the world of our words. Amen? If you said you're frustrated, amen, you're living in a world called frustration right now. Amen? If you said, I'm going to get here and I'm going to, I'm tired, you're living in a world of fatigue and tired right now. But if you said, I'm going to get here and I'm going to bless the Lord and I'm going to love Him with all my heart and I'm going to give Him everything I got, you're living in a world of adulation right now. Your world that you're living in on a personal level right now in your pew was based off of your words to proclaim proclamation. And the anointing comes upon us to empower us to proclaim breakthrough, not wait for breakthrough. To proclaim deliverance, not wait for deliverance. To proclaim healing, not wait for healing. Amen? And that, that proclamation releases an atmosphere of exchange. Right? It releases an atmosphere of exchange. Uh, exchanging beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for what? The spirit of heaviness. Where we can offer what's worthless to get what is priceless. It is now that God is saying, I have, I want, I need somebody to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So now there has been a proclamation over GRRC that it is the acceptable year of the Lord. Did that mean the acceptable year started when we proclaimed it? No. That means we can begin to experience the acceptable year of the Lord that was already established by that proclamation. Why? Because it takes faith. It takes faith. Right? So it just hinges on what you do with the proclamation. Right now, and the example that I give is this. He says, it is the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. When we think about God taking vengeance, what do we think about? He's going to come. We actually mistake vengeance for judgment. We think God's vengeance is his judgment. Ultimately, he's going to judge the earth and people in the earth. That is not what he's talking about. He's not getting vengeance when he judges. Right? Amen. That's, that, that's for those who did not benefit from his vengeance. His vengeance, the, the, the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. He gets vengeance by making us acceptable. He gets vengeance by making us acceptable to the devil that tried to make us unacceptable through temptation, lust, and sin. And so now he says, the very things that you brought them into, 
I'm going to make the currency to get what I intended them to have from the beginning. Right? I intended for them to have beauty. So I am going to allow them to bring their worthless ashes. And if they're willing to give up their ashes, I'm going to give them my beauty. That you, you gave them addiction, but I gave them glory. I'm going to allow them to bring their addiction and let the addiction pay for the glory. I, no, 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 no. I called them prophet and you made them a pervert. You, you brought them in perversion. I'm going to allow them to bring their perversion and use perversion, the dollar bill called perversion, to buy their prophetic grace that's on their life. Beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That atmosphere is released by proclamation. By proclamation. Thank you, Lord. Amen? So, it's so imperative that we understand that planting only follows exchanging. And I dealt with this last week too. If we claim the dysfunctions and bondages we're supposed to offer, God will not plant us. Amen. God will not. We will not be the planting of the Lord. Amen. You see, uh, that's what, uh, growth is hindered. I'll just leave it there. Now, why is that? Why is it that if we don't properly handle the atmosphere of that proclamation increases called it, or proclamation conceives called exchange that we can't be planted because that means that I am yet to place my faith in the excessive goodness of God given to me by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. This all goes back to one atoning work that did the job good, that did the job fully. I can think of no other chapter in Scripture that, that, that deals with what he took. Tell, tell your neighbor, he took it. What he took from us, amen, through his atonement in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the most profound, profound verses. I, I need some things to stick with you here because we have to settle in our hearts that that atoning work took the job, took care of the entire job. There, there, there can be no questions about any level of liberty. There can be no questions about any level of freedom. That atoning work did it all. There's nothing left to be done. Nothing. It's, it's, it is fully complete. It is sufficiently accomplished. It, it's done with extra credit. It's an A with a plus. Right? So, I want to go to Isaiah real quick before we go on. Because I, I need to nail this. Because tradition has so made the cross and the blood and, and, and redemption and righteousness lousy. Second rate. Something you still got to strive through life for and just survive until you get saved and go to heaven. And that's not righteousness is. Do you understand that if you pay close attention to the Bible, righteousness is always many times coupled with praise? Righteousness is a thing of joy. You'll find joy and righteousness coupled together many times. Right? Because he did it all. Isaiah 53, I want to read this. It's such a profound, I'm only going to read to verse number 5. It says, who have believed our report 
And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 2, for he shall grow up before him. This is a prophecy about Jesus. As a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. Amen. He, he, in other words, he came as a normal man. He, he, he wouldn't even be, if he came to this church and you were single, you wouldn't be, the, he, you'd be like, no, I don't want him. Nothing about him stood out. Nothing about him was distinguished. God chose to uh, not just to come as a man, but come as a very much normal man. Right? right? He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I'm a super Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I'm going to say that again because it blesses me. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken. We did not properly honor, nor did we exalt him for him taking our griefs and our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. We still are yet to really celebrate what he did. Steve him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Now, now watch this. I want because that as much as that blesses me, I believe the amplified really brings that thing out on a whole nother level. Would you put up that slide for me? It's Isaiah 53, just four and five. Because I want to point something out about this atoning work and why we can trade in. We can trade things in. Amen. Why this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 4 and 5 in the Amplified Version. And I want you to read this, so I'm going to let them take their time and and get that on up there. Hallelujah. We have the worship, but not the word yet. (laughs) Worship is in place, though. Hallelujah. There it goes. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5. Look at it in the Amplified Version. It says, but in fact, he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows and pains. Glory. Yet we ignorantly assumed that he was stricken, struck down by God and degraded and humiliated by him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. As sure as he got whooped, as sure as we got healed. He took out, now, now, now count it, count it up, count it up. He took our griefs, he took our sorrows, he took our pains, he took our transgressions, and he took our wickedness and the punishment required for our well-being. If he took my grief, I no longer have to claim my grief. I can offer it to the one who took it. If he took my sorrow, I no longer have to claim sorrow. I can offer it to the one who took it. If he took my sin, I no longer have to claim I'm struggling with the sin. I can offer it to the one who grief can never again be a claim. It can only be my offering. So if grief 
never shows up at my house, God just gave me an offering. Sorrow can never be a claim. It can only be an offering. If sorrow ever touches my heart, all, all I got was another offering. I'm here to tell you right now, we are in the acceptable year of the Lord. His vengeance against the devil. This is not against flesh and blood. God does not have a problem with man. He has a problem with the devil. We were born into a war. We're war babies. It's the, it is the acceptable year of the Lord. We can give what's worthless to get what's priceless. Now, now this is what we got to understand. If we don't grab a hold of that by way of proclamation, everybody say proclamation, and, and which makes us or allows us to move out of a victim's consciousness. Number one, we got to move out of a victim's consciousness. Victim's consciousness consciousness says, I can't help it. This is the way I was raised. This is because what my daddy did to me. This is because what my mama did to me. This is because what I saw growing up. This is because what I didn't have. This is because I didn't have opportunities like anybody else. Why are you still holding that and you can offer it? We have to now move from a, that moves us from a victim's consciousness, but it also moves us from a guilt and shame consciousness. Why? And then moves us into a come boldly to the throne confidence. We move out of a, a out of a, 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 a sin consciousness, a guilt consciousness, and we move out of a victim consciousness into a come boldly to the throne of grace consciousness. Why can't I come boldly to the throne of grace with this mess? Because I can offer it. It is the acceptable year of the Lord. Why can't I come boldly to the throne with what's on my fingertips? I can offer it. It's the acceptable year. Acceptable year of the Lord. If we don't shift out of the victim consciousness, if we don't shift out of the guilt and shame, oh, I, God will never raise me up because I did this consciousness. It's literally, it, I would say this it's illegal for me to experience being planted. How can you be planted in that mindset? How can you be rooted with that mindset? How could you ever think you could stay in one place? How could you ever think your mind going to stay in one place? How could you ever think your desire is going to stay in one place? How could you ever think your focus is going to stay in one place? Right? It's illegal to experience being planted by the Lord. When God plants you, I'm telling you, he does a good job. He's the vine dresser. Planting is all throughout the scripture. Jesus is the vine with the branch, and my father is the husbandman. He is the one that plants us. Amen? And if God didn't plant us, this is the key, we can't build for him. If God didn't plant us, we can't build for him. One of the greatest challenges the church is having is ha trying to build with people who cannot build in God's eyes. It's one thing, see, I can't anoint somebody to build what God didn't give them grace to build. Right. You can't make somebody that, a builder that's not a builder. Yeah. Only God knows. He said, they shall be. He said, uh, uh, he said, they shall build the old waste. They shall build the former desolations of, of many generations. Who are the they? Those who made the exchange. Yes, Sin for God's righteousness. Yes, Ungodliness for his holiness. Yes, 
the treat for his victory. If we didn't make that exchange, we cannot build what God wants to build. And God is into building. On this rock I shall build my church. And we always say it this way because we got religious. I said it too, but it sounds real crazy now. Jesus said he'd build this church, not man. Well, we're his body. Come on. On this rock I shall build my church. I've never seen a head build anything by itself. Right. Come on now. We're builders. Come on. Let's we're builders. Matter of fact, we're the one that grabs the hammer. We're the one that grabs the nails. We're the ones that get the supplies according to his mind. Come on. Right? Right. So, so now understanding if you're not planning, you can't be a builder. Right? Not in what God is building. You can always build something in religion. You can always build something in tradition because one thing about religion is they love to build stuff. Right? They love to build. There's always something to build in Egypt. Right? Yeah, Isaiah 61. I'm going to go there. Isaiah 61 verse 4. It says, And they shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. These builders walking in the faith of the atoning work of Christ, the, the builders are individuals who walk in the actuality and the reality of the faith of the atoning work of Christ, won't build church buildings. They will not build fellowship halls. They'll build old waste and former desolations for upcoming generations. Right. See, we're not really building until we're building something that we won't see fit, that we'll never see finished. We're building something for somebody down our line that we will never meet. We're building something for our great, 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 great grandchildren. We're building something that may not be finished for the next 700 years. We're building something that may not be finished for the next 1,500 years. We're really not building nothing until we're doing that as Abraham. Abraham, unto you and your seed, I shall give all of this land. Abraham, on none of that land, but he believed the promise of God and left everything for it. It is a passion to live a life for who will live after you. That's the promises of God. It's the promises of God. The reason why people are so miserable because you're trying to get what you can get in your lifetime and you are created to live for your lifetime. He wants to give you something, good measure pressed down that you don't have enough room to receive. In other words, 78, 85 years ain't enough for what I want to do, but you want to get what you can get in 75, 85 years. That's why you're miserable because you don't function like that. We function generationally. Amen? So this is what I need y'all to understand. Once God plants us, he begins dialoguing with us about parenting. Because God don't talk to everybody about parenting. Right. He talked to Abraham about parenting. Ask, ask, look at the Bible. He didn't talk, about, he didn't talk to everybody about parenting. Right. He did talk to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you an exalted father. Yeah. Right? Amen. We're planted to become kingdom parents. Thank you, Lord. Thank I'm going somewhere with this. And even if you ain't got a child, you could be a kingdom parent. 
We're planted to become kingdom parents. It's not until we're planted can we parent like a royal. Until we're planted, we won't parent like a royal. Right? Royals parent by faith. They allow faith through the word of God to give them an imagination that looks into their children's destiny and said, I've never seen this before. This has never happened. But you're going to be a boy that cuts off a Goliath's head. I've never seen this before. It ain't never happened. But you're going to lead three million people out of a foreign land in bondage. I, I just know you're a goodly child. I'm not handing you over to be killed, Moses. There's something about you that says that you're different. Everybody else just hand their children over. But, 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 but when you're a kingdom parent, he begins to talk to you about parenting. Until we're planted, the Lord won't have much dialogue with us about how to parent. He'll allow sea level to tell us how to parent our children. He'll allow sea level to tell us. In other words, what I see everybody else doing, the parent, that's what I'll do. As long as I raise my children, they good, good grades, they're in college, they get a career, they buy their own house, and they have their own stuff, I can, I can take a picture on Facebook and say, look at me being a good parent because I parented my child on sea level. Right? But the problem is the beast comes out of the sea. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble right here. While that child was in college, that child was on and off with depression. While that child was going through college, they picked up perversion. While that child was in college, they started drinking. While that child was in college, they never got a commitment. So they got married and they're already divorced. Wow, glory be to God. Yeah, they got a career, but they don't, they're miserable on their job. They don't have the joy of the Lord because the beast can come out of the sea, but I did a good job. They're not walking in righteousness, but I did a good job. They're not walking in joy, but I did my job. Because I'm parenting on sea level. Anybody will tell you, we love to take pictures in front of our parents like we were, like they were successful when we graduated, but we couldn't wait to get away so we could get a drink. I couldn't wait. Go ahead and hug your mama. Well, let's go. It's time to kick it. Right? Because that's sea level. That's sea level. Kingdom parents parent their children into something not seen. Kingdom parents build the old ways. Can I talk to you? And the former desolations for the upcoming generations. Please hear me and hear me closely because this is the building project that we're, we're, we're in the midst of a building project and the building project has already started right now. They build the old ways and they build the former desolations. Uh, old actually comes from a Hebrew word that means from everlasting to everlasting, continuously existed and perpetual. 
perpetual. Former means that which is from the beginning. It means the beginning. We are to build a lifestyle for our children to live in. Oh, man. I'm going to say that again because, see, it's easy for me to build them a playhouse. It's easy for me to build their bike on Christmas. It's easy for me to build them something in the garage. But God says, no, your job is to build a lifestyle of righteousness that they can live out of, a lifestyle of victory that they can live out of, a lifestyle of peace. We have to build a lifestyle that they can live in to walk in now their intended purpose for the kingdom. I'm telling you, it's much easier to build a building than it is to build a lifestyle that your children will actually live when they leave your house. I would rather build a building any day. I'd rather build a fellowship hall any day. How many of all how many of you all are living in the lifestyle of your parents? Don't raise your hand because some of your parents are here. Right? Not many, is it? So what we feel, or are we living in the lifestyle of our parents? Just the part they never told us they did. But sin rubs off on us easier than righteousness. Right? Kingdom parents, watch this, revealed former desolations, the beginning ways of life. We are to build for our children a way of life. Kingdom parents see Genesis 1 and 2 and Acts 1 and 2 not as history stories, but they see that as a blueprint. Acts 1 and 2, Genesis 1 and 2 are a blueprint that by faith can be built as a way my children can do life. They can do life as one man and one woman together. And what God has put together, let no man set asunder. They can do life without fighting, ever fighting for their gender identity. They can do life looking like God. In the beginning, man was made, man and woman was made in God's image. They can do life walking around looking like God so that men may know that God lives every time they look at me. I go to work and atheists have to change their mind. Because when they look at me, they can't doubt that there's a God. I glory be to God. I open my mouth. Those who dare, who dare say there is no God because I'm in his image. When they hear me, they hear his voice out of me. And they have to say God still speaks in the earth. People are supposed to know God still speaks when they hear you speak. People are supposed to know that God still lives when they see us live. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. And there is a generation raised up that going to walk around knowing I'm supposed to be the testimony that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm supposed to be the testimony that God still has power. We're supposed to, we are supposed to build a way of life that gives them the ability to live abundant life. Thank you, Lord. That's what's wasted. That's what's been left. That's what's desolate. We ought to raise our children and know you can lay your hands on the sick. 
It's supposed to be common for them to know that when somebody gets sick, don't call the doctor first. Let's get the oil and lay hands on them. Because I saw mama and daddy lay hands on me one time. They wouldn't call the doctor. They wouldn't get anybody. And it broke. And it broke away. They're supposed to be raised to know they have dominion in prayer. Hallelujah. They're supposed to know when I pray. My God, God shifts stuff. How are they going to know that? Parents, make sure when you cross this Jordan and you put these rocks down and your children look at the pillars of the testimony of you entering into a promise and they ask you, why is that rock there? You let them know the testimony of a God that visited you while you were under severe bondage in a place called Egypt that sent the power of God to deliver you. We have to begin to share testimonies with our children like we share them with one another. Joseph needs to know when I prayed at 8 a.m. and somebody called at 5, can you believe what happened? Joseph, I was in my closet praying at, at 5 a.m. And at 8 p.m., do you understand that what I prayed for called me on the phone? I have to share those things with my children so they can begin to gain an appetite for answered prayer. I don't just teach them how to pray. I share with them my prayer stories because the best way of building is being. Be what you're trying to build. And it ain't hard to build. Right? We ought to raise children to understand that they're designed to only be able to function in their fullest capacity only through how much passion they have for the Lord. That their dominion is by way of desire. You will only have dominion to the degree you desire the king. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I, and I could give you testimonies. Because, son, I went after God with all my heart this past year. And God added stuff to me that I've never seen in my life. He blessed me financially. He anointed and he raised me up. They need to know the personal story of a man. and a, They don't need to, to know what happened when Abraham just when Abraham sought him with all his heart. They don't need to know what happened just when David stopped telling them stories and telling testimonies. Testimonies give them the power to understand that God lives. That's a part of building. It's a part of building. They, they, they are to understand that they're supposed to be a part of something that changes the course of history. That a miracle will never be the same because they breathed on the earth. I tell my children that. Do I tell y'all that? I tell them they're history makers. And right now, he's not comfortable. And you notice J.C. did it like this. He said, here goes dad again. Right? Why? Why is that? Because those things have to be built. Because you better believe the devil is trying to build what he's trying to build in them every day. Those things have to... I need you to know that you're going to change the world. I need you to understand that humanity will never be the same after you leave this earth. I need you to understand that America will never be the same because of you. That revival is going to break out in America because of your life. And there's going to be an outpouring of the spirit of the living God. And many will turn back to their God and their king because of you. You were created to be significant. You were created not to be normal. Nothing about you is normal because nothing about your God is normal. 
What if we start really training our children to live like this Bible? And a lot of people say, you tell them all that, you're getting their hopes up high. I'm building. I done started building something. Amen. Because I know even if they don't reach that height, they're going to go to their children and say, I remember my dad used to tell me that I was going to be a world. I impacted the world. But I remember how my daddy used to tell me I would impact the world and I would change the nation with the glory of God on me. And they'll build it into their children and it'll get bigger. And they'll build it into their children and it'll get bigger. And they'll build it into their children and they'll get bigger. And then I hear God saying, look up at the sky, Jeremiah. Do you see the stars of the sky? I'm telling you right now, I'm going to pour out just like I promised. Just build what I told you to build in this generation. This is a faith message. A selfless faith message. This ain't about getting your bill paid next week. Let, let me... Let me... um. Shift a little bit and say this. Dominion only comes by duplication. Right. I'll say it again. Dominion, dominion was always intended to come by duplication. God does not give dominion individually. He only gives it generationally. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, uh, the, 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 the fowl of the air and the beast of the field. Turns around in verse 28 and says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over it. Amen. What was their dominion? First he said, Let them have dominion, and then it says, Let them multiply and have dominion. So their actual dominion was through what? Duplication. Adam and Eve's dominion hinged on their duplication. That's why the devil came in before they duplicated. Because he wanted to stop dominion. If, they, if he doesn't come in before they duplicate, then dominion is established. Because Adam and Eve had dominion over Eden, not dominion over the earth. Eden did not cover the whole earth. It was a piece of ground in the earth. And God said, Adam and Eve, I'm giving you dominion over the whole earth, but I'm starting in Eden. And you're going to multiply and be fruitful. And your children are going to go where you did not go. And wherever they go, they're going to have dominion. And then their children are going to have dominion and go where you didn't go. And they'll have dominion until the whole earth is covered with the knowledge of the living God by generation. See, we got to start handling our children different because they're the next move of God. If I understand they're the next move of God, they're the next move of God. They're the next move of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to say this. Righteousness and holiness, right? True righteousness and holiness, where everyone in the community is living in righteousness and holiness, is a generational building project. It cannot be done. It's like, man, I, why won't these people live right? Because it's generational. It only by generations are we actually going to build a community that is all the... Well, so now I have to now begin to build with my children. 
Son, I need you to understand. Come here. Come here, Joseph. I need you to understand something. All right? Just stand up. I need you to understand that you have access to the righteousness of God. I am now beginning to build righteousness. You have, you have access to the righteousness of God where there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. You will not live a life struggling with sin because Jesus already overcame sin. You will live a life of joy and peace. Depression, discouragement, and heaviness will never be a part of your story because of the righteousness of God. What did I just build? I begin, look, I, I know you can't see it, but I just put some bricks down. And I slapped some mortar in between them. And I laid some bricks down. And they may not be that high yet. But, 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 but anybody knows you start small before you can ever get big. But I begin building. Glory be to God. And although they may now fight, they will not enter into the same measure of unrighteousness as those around them, even if they don't enter into the full righteousness of God. They will not have the same measures of depression, dysfunction, and bondage because of what I built. They may still have it, but not like everybody else because I built right. And then they turn around, y'all ain't hearing me, and they build it to their children. Son, you are to be raised with the righteousness of God. Son, you will not live in bondage. You won't struggle. You will never be addicted to anything. Because the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb has victory over every sickness, disease, bondage, and addiction. And a lot of people say, well, if that's your child, why are you preaching? Because he's going to sound like me by the time this thing gets finished when he's speaking to his baby. And we build it just a little bit bigger. And their children build it just a little bit bigger until the righteousness of God is established. Where there is a generation from the cradle to the grave. They're free from the cradle to the grave. Peace from the cradle to the grave, joy from the cradle to the grave, righteousness from the cradle to the grave, victory. They never even know what discouragement is. They don't know what a depression pill is. They don't know what a sleeping pill is. They don't know. They don't know what a painkiller is because they have now been built by generationally into the righteousness. Righteousness is a generational building project. If we're going to have it experienced for a culture, right. we got to stop thinking now, now, now and culture. Right. We got to start establishing a culture that we understand won't be finished in our lifetime. Right. We begin to build. You ready to sit down, right? Please, sir. Let me sit down. Right? And so. This is our assignment. This is what we must understand we have to do. We have to build healing. Do you understand healing is supposed to be a part of our culture? But that, uh, uh, I ain't seeing it. See, that because you ain't been planted. See, that, I, remember I already told you, unless you've been planted, you can't be a builder. You'll help us build a conference. That ain't what God really building. You might help us build an event. You might, you might help rally something, do something, but that ain't what God is building. You can't build this unless you're walking by real faith. No, 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 you ain't going to build this. Glory be to God. We are, we are to build a culture of faith. A culture of faith. Well, I begin to build in my children faith of healing. 
right. to the point and, 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 and shared the testimonies of healing. And in my lifetime, we saw lupus healed. Come on, we got a witness in the house. In my lifetime, we saw cancer healed. In my lifetime, we saw diabetes healed. We've seen migraines healed, back pain healed. We've seen different things healed. And I'm here to tell you, you were created for healing to flow through you. I See, we have no problem with the idea that God can heal. But we do have a problem with the only way he's going to heal is through us. That's our problem, and that's why healing ain't happening. I know God can heal me. No, not even, God just ain't going to jump out the sky and heal nobody. Our problem is we don't believe he heals through people. Even better, we don't believe he'll heal through. When actuality, healing is kindergarten in the kingdom. That's kindergarten. That ain't even high school. Everybody can do that. Every believer. But that that's been laid what? Waste. That's a form of desolation. That's an old way. We've wasted the power of healing. It's an old waste. It's sitting there. It still exists. Remember, eternally existed. Continually existing. Old means continually existing. It still exists. We're just wasting it. And so those who are planted begin to say, hold on. We got to start building this thing again. Because folks need to come to church that are sick expecting to leave healed. Folks need to come a pain expecting for that pain to no longer be there when they leave. They don't need to come just to have a good time and to hear a good song. They need to come before they go to the doctor to sit to know that God is able. Right? Son, you're created to heal. God is going to heal through you. You ought to lay hands on the sick. The things that doctors can't cure, we can And we saw, we saw some things, and in their generation, they're going to build on that. And they begin to see more frequently healing of cancer. They begin to see more frequently uh, healing of lupus and open. But, but then we keep on building. Then but they, they, we, they teach their children, come on, you keep on building on this healing. And there'll come a time when people come to the house of God expecting crazy stuff to happen. I was born without an arm and a leg. And no, they're going to come and leave with an arm and a leg. Because we built. That is a generational building project. It does not happen overnight. But if we build right. Well, my, my question to you is where are the builders? (laughs) I know we can build a dance for a praise. We can build a dance for a building. We can build a dance to get something new. But who can build for the next generation and the outpouring in the coming kingdom? All different. We're in a whole different topic. Are you a builder? My question to you is are you a builder? Did God plant you to build? Hallelujah. Amen. So, so, so now there are generational building projects that God is planting people to restart. That's what's happening. We're, we're rebuilding praise and worship, and the glory of praise and worship. Make His praise glorious. No, no, no. That's that's happening in here right now. Glory be to God. Our young babies see us 
giving God the glory. Our young babies see us waving the flags, and you notice them already. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? Because the best way to build is to be. They understand when I get to the house of the living God, I am not supposed to sit down. I'm going to grab my flag and wave. Don't sit the babies down. Suffer not the little ones to come up there. For such as to let them run around the church. Let them dance. That's out of order. You ain't got no power. Shut up. I, let them dance. Let them shout. We're building something. You don't care about your order. Your order ain't got no oil on it. Your order ain't got no breakthrough on it. Sit still and pay attention. Children were created to be active. And God wants his children to be active in worship. Worship is supposed to be adventurous. Worship is supposed to be joyful. Unless you come to the kingdom as a child. See, we got to learn how to dance like children again. We got to learn how to believe like children. Do you understand? I'm going to tell you a story. Because a lot of us won't miss the kingdom because we're too busy trying to be adults. And I'm not telling you to be irresponsible, but I'm telling you not to make your irresponsibility make your heart hard where you operate more out of reason than you do faith. My son, y'all remember when I did the math, right? I did the PJ whatever math. When I was talking about blinded minds. And then I gave them to my two children. And I told, man, I messed up. I told them, I said... Look, Josiah, when you put that on, boy, you're going to be able to fly. <laughs> boy, when you put that on, you're going to be able to run faster than anybody. You can pick up anything. You can pick up anything. Jeez, he said, Dad, can I pick up a house? I said, son, you can pick up a house. So you got to be careful in this suit because this suit has superpowers. When you get this on, don't do everything. Just do only do certain things because you don't want to hurt nobody because you're too strong. But he's a child. So guess what? He believed everything I said. So he ran upstairs as fast as he could, grabbed his mask, put it on, put his shirt on, came downstairs, and bam! He started testing out his powers. He went to the table and said, oh, I picked it up. He started going around testing. Then he finally went outside. I didn't know what he did when he went outside. <laughs> he came back in and he said, he said, Dad, I don't know if it worked or not. Because I, when I tried to pick up the house, I couldn't pick up the house. <laughs> and I said, son, it's because you wore it too long. The powers are waning. Take it off and let it repower up. I love to be a child, too. I'm loving it. I'm just plugging the suit back up to the wall, you know? Get your powers back up. Ooh, 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 ooh. Guess what he did? Went to go rest the suit. He believes like a what? Child, 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 child. That's unreasonable. That's good. That is, uh, uh, in fact, there's no way we can prove that, but, but because Father said it. Because Abba told me I could do it. I believe it. And God says, I need you to have faith just like that. I'm the one who said, no weapon formed against you is able to prosper. I'm the one who said, you shall live and not die. I'm the one who said, there is no burden 
the kingdom as a child. My daddy said I could do it. What do you mean you think you can lay hands on cancer? My daddy said I could do it. Come on, man. What do you mean you can raise teenagers that are virgins in a, in a culture of teenagers that are sleeping around like crazy? My daddy said I could do it. My sister, so I love it. I love their, just that childlike faith. That boy wouldn't try to pick up the house for real. For 10 straight days, he wore the same suit. He would get home and put the suit right on. Mud stains and all. The mask became his baseball cap. When he didn't have it on his face, he had it on top of his head. God, Daddy said it has superpowers. Unless we receive the kingdom as a child. And once we begin to receive the word like that, our children will. Peer pressure ain't greater than you, son. And you receive it as a child. I can't overcome this. I do believe. This is what we got to understand. That there's sea level parenting, right? Then there is planted parenting. But then there's also another pitfall in parenting called fear factor parenting. Teaching our children how to survive. Teaching your children how to survive is always bad parenting when they were created to conquer. It's where we try to raise our children on fear. Fear of God and fear of us. Boy, you bet not ever. Give him the look. You know better. Hey, look. Don't make me. And it's almost as if we feel power when we see fear. And don't understanding we're cultivating the very things that we're going to need them to overcome later from the people who's supposed to love them the most. Right. Right? How many of us were raised to fear our parents? Raise your hand. My God. How many of you uh, didn't sin because you were scared of your mom and your dad? So you never slept with nobody you wasn't married to. You never went to the club. You never drank. Did you do any of those things? So did it work? Come on, It just made up in your mind, I can't wait to get up out of here. It never did anything inwardly to change you. Wow. We need to get, these kids need to get got like we got got. Why are you putting a cigarette in your mouth? It sure didn't help you too much. These children need to learn some respect. You don't even go to church. It didn't help you. You ain't saved. While fear 
of God is necessary. And while fear of mom and dad are necessary, fear alone can never bring anything into maturation. Fear, hear me, fear alone can never bring anything into maturation. Nothing can be fully matured by fear. If you want to keep your children immature, make them fear you for the rest of your life. For the rest of their life. And they're 30 years old, scared to tell their mom. My God. And you're 30 years old. Right. You don't know mama. You're 30 years old. Amen. Still acting like a child. Mama. That's what fear does. It freezes you in areas, in areas of your life where you're still immature. Right. And you never grow up. We can never mature in God stimulated by fearing going to hell. Going to hell can never be the thing that brings you into maturation in God. Never. It can help you understand you need to change your life. It can help you understand that you need to do different. It can help you understand a whole bunch of things, but it can never mature you in God. Children fear, just the same, children fearing their parents can never bring them into maturity. As it is with the Heavenly Father, so it is with natural parents. And I'm dealing with a couple of things, but I want to show you these two scriptures. Put up that second slide. Because I want to help you understand something that's, that's so, so key. Because we do, children do need to fear us, but that ain't all they need from us. My God, that ain't half of what they need from us. Psalms 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they to do his commandments, his praise endure forever. Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Everybody say beginning. The fear of God by itself keeps people at a place called beginning. I'm going to say that again. It's so key that you understand that because... In, in, in actuality, that unfolds over to our children, too. If all we do is exalt them, making sure they fear us, and we feel like we've done something because they fear us, right. although they need to fear us. The fear of God by itself keeps people at a place called beginning. If I attempt to build my faith off of fearing hell alone, I'll find myself always starting over. Right. I build up my passion for God, then my passion wanes, and I got to start over. I move forward in the things of God, only to get knocked back. Something happened, a situation happened, and I just ain't where I was no more. I end up what? Starting over. I rise up in faith, only to fall back down and have to start over again. Because fear by itself keeps you at the beginning of knowing God. You can't get past the beginning. It, it means I'm stuck at start. If I'm stuck at start, my whole life is starting over. That's all I can do over and over again is start. So you got all these saints, precious men and women of God that have tried to mature in God off fear. 
And all you do is see them start over, over and over. Desire, start over and over. Passion, start over and over. Righteousness, over and over. Joy, over and over. You can never just go, 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 go. It's always up, down, up, down, up, down. And you're saying, God, what's wrong with me? Why can't I ever keep momentum? Why can't I ever keep my prayer life? Because you're trying to mature off of fear. And fear is only the beginning. It keeps you at the start. All you can do is start over. If this is the start and this is all I got if this is the start and then once I get here I ain't got nowhere else to go but backward and then I gotta start over again if this is the start and that's all I got I just start over again you better you better learn how to listen to God because he's gonna come back and cut everybody down and you're the one that's defeated he gonna come and kill everybody and you're the one that's oppressed why because it's only the beginning But then we raise our children the same way uh-huh. and wonder why they keep on starting over. Right. Man, this just, they just can't make up in their mind. One time they want to be a mechanic. Now they want to be a, they want to be a clerk. Now they want to be a lawyer. They go to college, quit college, go to college, quit college, so forth and so on. They, they want to be married. Now they don't want to be married no more. Now they get married again. Now they, they, they want to go to this church. Now they want to go to that church. Why do we live amongst a generation that seems to always be starting over? Perhaps. They're stuck at the beginning because their parents, the ones that were trying to mature them, didn't understand fear could only keep them at start. It's only the beginning. It's necessary, but it's only the start. You can never become a man fearing a man. If I'm ever going to make JC a man, there has to come a day he doesn't fear me. Because if, if he has to fear me, he'll never learn how to honor me. Honor is... I don't, I don't need to make you fear me if you don't honor. If you don't know honor at your age, then I just let you do what you do. There's certain things I'm going to stay on Josiah about that I'm not going to stay on JC about. Why? Because at this point, I expect you to honor. Because I can't keep him immature. Amen. 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 We have we have a group of people trapped in starting over. You just just keep on starting over. Just keep on. You never really enter into the the depths and the widths and the heights of the glory that you're called to, because you keep on running back to fear to keep you in prayer. You keep on running back to fear to keep you reading the Bible. You keep on running back to fear to keep you from sin. There's something better than fear to keep you from sin. It's the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit of the living God. The passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was scared of hell and I still sin. With love, I ain't even thinking about it. Amen? When I'm not planted, I'll raise my children by fear. Right? And, and I'll focus more on what they can't do because they're in church than what, than what they can do because they're in Christ. So we're raising our children. The reason why, you understand why this, this generation is not scared of the things we're scared of? 
because we were never created to live by being scared anyway. So we're like, man, they don't fear nothing. We feel fear the teachers. God ain't going to let us depend on fear to raise them. They don't fear getting locked up. That's, part, that's the hand of God. They don't need to fear. They supposed to fear nothing. If we were raising them right. But the problem is that, do you understand fearlessness is going to increase? That people are going to rap about going to hell. They already did. Yeah, rappers are about going to hell. Satan, when I get there, make sure you got a cigar for me. Let's light them up. I don't want to go to heaven. I'd rather go to hell. Because I ain't nothing but a piece of... And it ain't hard to tell. These are the lyrics of Notorious B.I.G. I ain't in the rap game no more, so I don't, I don't know anymore. I don't know a whole bunch of them. Right? You know, when I die, I know I'm going to hell. So I'm going to ride as hard as I can. And we're sitting there saying, look at him. No fear for God. But all we have to offer them is fear. And at some point, you get numb to it because it ain't all of it. Right. You can't scare me, but so many times if I say, man, that ain't scary. Right. Right. We were never created to disciple the world by fear. We were never created to raise our children by fear. We were never created to follow God by fear. Never In fear, I'll spend more time reacting than I do building. Instead of building them for significance, I spend all my time trying to save them from defilement. Right? I ain't even building them for anything. I'm just making sure they don't do nothing they ain't supposed to do. While the whole time the world is building in them a nature to do everything they ain't supposed to do. Because we're, fight, we're trying to fight my child ain't like that. You need to stay away from them because they have bad influence on you. Well, what if your child is one of the bad it's always everybody else's child that's a bad influence on my child. What if your child? No, it couldn't be my child because they go to church. What that mean? What that mean? But we're not building. We're just reacting. You know what's supposed to start? I didn't check their phone. They done started doing this. Well, what we got to understand is now we're trying to block perversion when we could have been busy building purity. It's always better to build purity than it is block perversion. Because if I'm blocking perversion, that means I allow it to mature before I try to tear it down. But if I build purity, I get perversion, no access. But while I'm steady trying to tear down um, perversion, right? I am leaving purity desolate. It's still a desolate form. It's a form of desolation. Instead of teaching our children the significant experience, when you get married, it was just you and me. You had never been with anybody else. They had never been with anybody else. And y'all came together in holy matrimony and y'all grew in intimacy. 
together. You don't ever want to throw that away. Protect that. Because you'll have that gift. If not, your marriage bed will be defiled. Everybody says, well, the marriage bed is undefiled. That's if you marry God's way. If you don't marry God's way, you, you got somebody else in that bed with you that they trying to do with you what they did with them. Why y'all getting quiet on me now? You are, y'all are not in the bed alone. Peter's in the bed. Monique is in the bed. Rhonda, Jack. Why don't you do this? Where do you learn that? Why they in my bed? This, this, is, this is husband and wife. The marriage bed is the fire. My goodness. But we can raise a generation, God Almighty, where your bed can be defiled. Well, it's just you and them, and, and God can raise up godly seed, and, and you can have the gift of just desiring one person. You can have the gift of just desiring one woman, and you can have the gift of just desiring one man. You ain't you ain't missing something else you had that you shouldn't have never experienced to begin with. Come on. Wow, y'all. That's it. Pastor. That's a gift. That's the gift of intimacy. Because if all I had is you, all I want is you. All I had is you, all I want is you. And then it's not a challenge. The challenge is getting everybody else out of the bed. I can't, you can't want me like you want to want me until you get them out. Once you get really filled with the Holy Ghost, you want your spouse all the time. Why? Because you don't want nobody else. I ain't got nothing else to give nobody else. It's just coming this way. This is it. I'm sorry. Again, yes. I ain't got nowhere else to go. It's the gift, even though our marriage beds are defiled, when the Spirit of God comes down and sanctifies and you're born again, you're born again from above. Everything becomes new. Everything becomes... How dare you talk about this in church? They heard worse than this at school today. Come on. Get with the real world. Get over it. They heard more than that today. I did nothing, but I just did up here on this pulpit. They knew everything I was talking about. We can't talk in cold no more. Go ahead and try talking cold in front of your children. They're going to go right back and say, yeah, mama said. You can't talk in cold. They up on it all, boy. They know. They know. It ain't like it was when we were growing up. God is taking fear away from them and forcing us to stop trying to lead by fear. It's a move of God. Amen. Don't get mad at them when they don't fear what you fear. And otherwise they'll just become what you have. 
my, my, you know, my daddy, when he raised us, he raised us like this. Well, how much did you not sin? Right. So why are you even referring to that as a means to do what we need to do? My mama didn't play. If that was my mama, she would have hit me in my mouth. Well, how, how much, how righteous were you? How pure were you? Why are you referring to that? What does that mean? Maybe this generation is forcing us to enter into a greater measure of faith and love in God. It's time for us to start building. It's not that they don't need to fear us. It's not that they don't need to know we don't play. But there's something else we're supposed to be able to give them, and that is now significance. Identity. They need to hear from us every day. You were created for greatness. You were created to do something that nobody else can do. You were created to be distinguished in the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. And it's like, well, what do I do for parenting? I don't know, but we can't do that. I don't know what to do, but we got to scratch that one. We got to come up with a new plan. Maybe we need to walk by faith and let God let God establish something. Amen. We got to make some changes. To build the old ways and the former desolations of many generations. God is calling a generation of parents to say yes to building. Begin to build something for your children's 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 children. Begin to bring build faith for your children's children children's children. God never said that we were supposed to just close our eyes, grit our teeth, and hold on until he come and save us. He said, but, but as darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, there shall be a light. You are the hope of the world. God is raising you to be God, the hope of the world. People won't commit suicide because they'll look in your eyes. And they'll see hope. Our children need to know. I'm here to tell you right now, deep down on the inside, if they're not, if it don't seem like they're listening, there's something inside of them happening because they were born for it. That's what they're born for. Amen. Every, every, every young man and young lady want to be a superhero. Ain't nobody don't want to be no superhero. That's why Avengers and all the Justice League and that, all that's so popular because all, we always want to be men and women with superpowers that help humanity. I'm here to tell you that we're sons and daughters with superpowers that can impact and change and save humanity. That's the kingdom of the living God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I just want to pray over us real fast. Amen. And I just talked a little bit tonight, but I just want to deal with some stuff that I'm going to go into. Because I'm going to go into, I know I'm going to go into generations and rebuilding some things. Amen. And, and, And just some commitments we have to make. Not only on a corporate level, but more importantly, on a personal level, to build our children. We still need to correct our children. We still need to chasten our children. But we need to be building our children. Amen? Amen. Bless his name. Let us, let us uh, stand.